Ready for the interview, interview, get a cue Live on the laptop, watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto, doctor, DPHD, hit the intro Hold up, wait, gotta be social Network global, a home for the locals Gotta be social, network global, a home for the locals all right, as I said, I have some things to discuss with you. Yes. And one being that I had a great Normally conversation with trouble. your wife. You're not in trouble. <laughs> but Shannon was awesome. We had a great episode. And, She's uh, so great. Man, you have a, a lovely spouse, a partner, seriously. Well, thank you. I, yeah, I, I always say it, man. I, I don't know how I could have done better. She could yeah. have. I don't know if I could <laughs> <laughs> You're downgrading your right part of now. the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> They're all in North Carolina with um, her brother's family. They're all oh, out nice. on the coast, North Carolina. Actually, they're driving home today. Okay. So I guess I need to clear the empties. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's surprising how much more work there is when they're gone. Um, Not, not because, you know, they left so I can... I can clean a little deeper. Okay. But I I have to take care of all three dogs. Oh, all right. So they all need walks. They all need attention, playtime, all this stuff. It's a good part of my day, just taking care. And so when you don't have a kid to say, hey, go walk the dog. Yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> like four hours of my day, it's like taking Jeez, care of these man. mutts to make sure they don't <laughs> feel abandoned, you know, when everybody's wow. gone. Interesting so. stuff, man. Well, listen... uh, <laughs> This is Simon keeping it exciting <laughs> right <Yeah>. now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a great conversation and uh, we, you know, I actually brought you up several times within it. And, yeah, Shannon uh, was really sweet. She's She was just like, wow, you know, she's like, oh, you guys love each other too yeah. much. Kinda, no, you it's, know. come yeah. on, don't say that. It's, <laughs> it's not enough love in the world. Come yeah, on. Like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was great, man. She like just her side talking about you and kind of like how you can kind of like you're like, oh, you know, Simon can just do his own thing, you know, like you know, he's not necessarily looking for friends and stuff. So the fact <laughs> that you guys have each other is like really nice that you can talk about different things. I was like, it's just it nice that she sees the appreciation about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. You, you'd be amused. Um, did I tell you that I was, I was, uh, I'm, I'm now on the. It's basically the local Tonys, and now I'm on the board. Oh like, no! Like, or 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 like like <laughs> you know. So I I I'm one of the people who who, who gets the vote. You know, is this good a so, good thing for you? I mean, is that yeah, I, it's so funny. So um, so I go to a local production of Sister Act. Okay, the musical. Yeah, and um. Uh, you know, I know some people in the cast or whatever, and one of them comes out afterwards, and they're like, are, it, it, "It's called the Stanleys here." Um, and they're like, "Are you on the Stanley committee now?" Mm. And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I guess I am." Um, that's, that's the only reason I'm here, watching this terrible production. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is here it comes. <laughs> Uh, but she she looked at me with this constipated expression. Mm. She's like, "That's gonna be terrible." 
was just like, well, sorry. I, Excuse me. You know, it wasn't actually my idea. Somebody on the Stanley committee um, asked if I would, you know, I don't know what, what to call it, except being nominated. And I was okay. like, yeah, sure. You know, if anybody on there knows me, they'll probably vote me down. You know? Yeah, soon, like really <laughs> but, soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, I you know I went to my first meeting recently, and and you know it was funny. We had a couple of um, kind of bigger name musicals to talk about that were produced locally, and you know one's Adam's Family, and the other one was Sister Act. Yeah, and certain aspects of each production were admirably done. Hmm. But just like what we talk about with movies, sometimes you just sit there and you're just like, "What? Why? Why? What? What, what were you? What were you thinking? Yeah. What? You know? What? What's the deal?" But so much of that goes down to writing, like the source material. It's like so. So I'm I'm actually very forgiving, and I actually came to during our Stanley Committee discussion. You would be surprised to find out that I actually came to the defense of uh, actually the sister act one because, you know, I said, you you can't do anything with this source material. It's awful. Mm. It's <laughs> terrible. You know, so the, the fact that this show was as good as it was is actually a, <laughs> a freaking miracle. Wow. Because the source material is so bad. And I just don't know why these things get famous. Like, yeah. why is this? Why why is this show, Sister Act, a successful Broadway show? It, it's it's terrible. <laughs> and if you hadn't seen the movie, you wouldn't right. care about it. Trust me. Yeah. If you went to go see this and the movie didn't previously exist, you wouldn't give a crap about this. Interesting. It, and the same with the Adams Family. If that wasn't a pre-existing thing. I walked out of the Adams family and I asked my daughter Rainbow, she and I went to it together. And I asked her, "Did you think they did anything spooky?" She's like, "No, not really." You know, there's like one kind of funny scene where she's kind of torturing her brother Pugsley the uh Wednesday, she's torturing her pu- brother yeah. Pugsley. Um but I said, "Yeah, they they keep on having to tell you that they're kooky and creepy but nothing they actually really do in it so anyway my point was if it wasn't a pre-existing property you would have no idea that this family is supposed to be creepy and weird they don't yeah they're they're not <laughs> they just yeah. keep telling you they are all right uh, i know how you feel about when people tell you what the thing is <laughs> the the worst song in the adams family musical is a song called I'm Crazier Than You. <laughs> and it's sung by multiple characters. Yeah. Who are who are supposed to be like showing their wild side or something. They're so dumb. It's so dumb. It's so unearned and it's so yeah. stupid and it just made me vomit. It really wow. it, it, I, I emotionally vomited all over the <laughs> all over so that great. theater when they were singing this song. <laughs> it was embarrassing. And it was embarrassing <laughs> that talented people were singing these songs. Yeah. It was, it was below that. I mean, how is a successful Broadway show below community theater 
You know what I'm saying? Wow, like, that's really bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, so the Sister Act show, the lead, Dolores, the Whoopi Goldberg character mm-hmm. in the movie, she was fantastic. She was charisma off the charts. And I was so impressed with her. And I was actually really impressed with a lot of the choreography and things like that of that show. And I just kept thinking to myself, you guys are so far above this material that you're performing. I mean, it's just, why this show? (laughs) You guys could have been doing all the, you know... And, and maybe not. Maybe maybe yeah. there's just not enough good Broadway <laughs> to go around. Right. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Are wow. you a musical fan? That was a question uh, no. I was going to ask you. No. I I literally I've like tried any musicals. Not really. And I, let me let me preface this with I'm not one of these people who says I don't like it, and but I've never like really dove in to try to like it. Yeah. You know, I've I've literally tried to watch a variety of musicals. In person, movies or musical, and I just something about it is just off for me. I don't know. I don't really want people singing. <laughs> want, there's something about the singing that I just don't want it. I don't want it. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, can we get away from this part? I'm <laughs> like, well, no, this is the point of it. I'm like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> so I, I actually love the Broadway rule for, um, uh, uh, well, d- just to say this, if you apply this Broadway rule to life, I think it- it'll make you a happy person. So you talk until emotions get to a certain pitch and then you have to sing. Oh. But when the emotions go beyond singing, you have to dance. Hmm. And I really like that. I think that's a beautiful way to look at life. I like that. And it doesn't matter what emotion it is. It could be anger, sadness, happiness, joy. When you get to a certain point, sing. And then when you can't (laughs) and when you can't sing anymore, dance. And I, I love that. I think it's a beautiful thing. I have a soft spot in my heart for musicals. I grew up watching a lot of musicals, yeah. a lot of these movie musicals. I grew up watching um, The Happiest Millionaire, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Yeah. And, but these were elite performers at the very top of their game. And when you compare the performances in those films to the performances in movie musicals that have been produced in like the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's once again, it's embarrassing. Oh man. Okay. I'm going to have to re- re- look back at this then. Yeah. So I've showed my kids like seven brides for seven brothers. I'm like, check this out. And they're like, holy <laughs> crap. No, seriously. They're like, <laughs> okay. holy crap. These like these dance and choreography and stuff. I mean, off the charts, incredible. Yeah. And then you go and you watch like, the greatest showman and it's embarrassing yeah, yeah. it's embarrassing <laughs> no it's seriously Simon, embarrassing you're so such a harsh critic i i'm just waiting for you to be like <laughs> on another committee and you're just like oh it's simon again yeah it's like <laughs> skewering everything about current society everything <laughs> like, star wars the musical could be the worst thing ever it probably would be right. it would be I mean, <laughs> So uh, actually, um, kind of the head of the committee, uh, he actually said this. 
and it's spot on. He's, you know, because uh, we're talking about, once again, we're talking about Sister Act and Adam's family. Yeah. And he was just like, why are we so creatively bankrupt in this source material? Because it's all based on pre-existing properties. And we've yeah. talked about this in regards to film. Yes. It's like, why are we just trying to rehash the same ideas over and over and over again? Uh, you know, the reason Star Wars people still want to see a Star Wars movie is because the first one was so off the charts good. Yes. And 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 original in its feel. Like it felt so original. And it's like, why aren't these movie produ- production houses looking for the next big original thing? Why? Why? Yeah. Where is that? It's a mystery. And I'm not sure that's going to get better, considering that, uh, and I wanted to talk to you about, this is a good tie into it, the actor and writer strike that's going on. Um, you know, I haven't paid too much attention to it. I mean, I know the basics, but I haven't paid too much attention to it. I have a funny anecdote about that, but go ahead. Oh, really? Yeah, go well, ahead. I just think like, well, I know there's a big part of it is uh, related to like writer pay and there's mm-hmm. issues with like there's less episodes than there were in other sitcoms in the past and then streaming, but also that now they may be like scanning, trying to scan actors' likeness and then using them like in perpetuity, like forever, even when they die, they keep yeah. using the actor. And so there, I understand that whole thing uh, with it. But it's interesting. It's like, well, it's actually on another side. It's not like they're producing amazing material as it is, though. So, yeah. will a strike produce better material, or is it just, um, you know, for monetary sake or whatever? Get do what you got to do. You know, it's much deeper than I know about it. And you know, for people in the arts, you as you've always said, being an actor has got to be one of the hardest things to do to stay afloat. And all yeah. those things, and, but, and a, uh, being a writer, writer. I mean, oh my gosh! You know, being get, getting a job as a writer on one of these shows has got to be so competitive, and um, you know, you're at the whim or you know of the producers and what they want, and you know, rewrite this. We don't want you yeah. know whatever. Um, but uh, I, you know. I, I feel like the quality of material comes down to director and producer hmm. because those are the people who have the final say at the end, at the end of the day, whoever has the money, you know, has the ultimate final say, right. unless they've contractually given director, you know, uh, what, what do they call that? Um, final cut. Mm-hmm. Very few directors have final cut status, right. you know, very few. But, you know, you still have to blame the director for, you know, what's what's on the film. Right. It's <laughs> on the celluloid. <laughs> exactly right. They have to make that decision of what they filmed. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a tricky business. And, uh, I'm uh, of course, I'm always going to be on the side of the writers, you know, yeah. um, uh, you know, especially because they are probably overworked and underpaid. <laughs> They're probably a very underappreciated. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, writing is one of those things where it's like, 
yeah, you can do an hourly, you know, thing, but creativity is just one of those things. It's really difficult to clock. Yeah. Creativity. Right. So being a writer, while it doesn't sound like the most difficult job in the world, you're kind of always working because you're always trying to find that next idea to write about. Um, I know this just from being a writer and a songwriter. Uh, It's not like you're always sweating and, you (laughs) you know, hard at work like that, but you're always trying to find that next idea and then you're always trying to quickly get it down before you lose that idea so anyway what i'm just trying to say is is like when you're a writer you're just working 24 7 because you're always trying to come up with you know the next best idea that you can come up with and i i just think it's an underappreciated vocation is all i'm trying to say i would say so too but it also makes me wonder like where is the writing, where has the writing gone in terms of source material, original material, and all these levels, whether it's musicals, plays, series, movies. I feel it's especially bad in movies. I see. Like, mm-hmm. what, what was the turn that made writing or, you know, creating a great script mainly just rehashing things that have been done before and just putting it on the big screen, you know? Yeah. And, and then sometimes, so I, I follow this, um, podcast on YouTube. Oh gosh. What's it called? Sorry. I'm just blank. It's something about movie therapy. One guy is a professional, you know, licensed therapist and the other guy is a professional filmmaker and they just sit down and talk about movies. Love it. Well, their most recent one, they talked about Superman, Man of Steel. Okay. And basically they talked about the Superman character arc for the, um, what's that director's name? Oh, um, Zach, no, is it Zach Snyder? Snyder, yeah. Yep. So for the Henry Cavill, Zack Snyder, you know, Superman story arc. And uh, it was it was really interesting because the the filmmaker guy, he sounded like just like you and me, where it's just like, yeah, this is awful. This is terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, what, what are they thinking? And, it, and it's it, it's difficult because Zack Snyder is so obviously so talented. Yes. Um, Henry Cavill. He so obviously could be a great Superman. Right. So why was that Man of Steel movie so bad? And so I went back and rewatched it just the other day. Yeah. And I was just like, why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) Simon. (laughs) I literally felt like that pretty much the whole time. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? This is terrible. This is a terrible movie. (laughs) And, but it was funny because I, I had forgotten that Christopher Nolan, he and, and somebody else, I don't remember their name, they actually came up with the story for this. Mm. And they, they didn't write the final script. Okay. But Christopher Nolan produced and he, 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 he at least had input on the story. Enough right. input that he was credited story by so-and-so and Christopher Nolan. 
So once again, I'm like, uh, you got a story by Christopher Nolan, and then you have Zack Snyder, who is a master of visuals. The I'll visual, give him that. He has a style, for sure. He, yeah. yeah. And and then I actually went and looked up the cinematographer for it, because every time in that movie that they're doing a natural light scene, it might be a butterfly on a, yeah. on a flower it's or pretty. something like that. Yeah. It's beautiful cinematography. It and it is the cinematography in and of itself with the Hans Zimmer score yes. on top of it then is so emotionally impactful. And then people open their mouths. <laughs> I'm serious. Then people open their mouths. I'm like, this is so terribly written. Yeah. It's so terribly written. And immediately I was just thinking about how, how could this be, be a better movie? It's so easy. It's I seriously know. so I want to know. I want to hear Simon's take on this. I Actually, because I'm a big Superman franchise person. So I'm curious about this. Here's the number one way that you make this a better movie. General Zod comes down with the intention of befriending the son of his old, of his old friend. Because Superman's father and Zod, while they disagreed, they, they definitely had a love for each other. Yeah. And General Zod really regretted killing his friend. Yes. But his duty came above that. So the number one way to make this movie better is to have Zod be a conflicted character that he actually wants to befriend and maybe even take under his wing the son of the man that he so um that he's so sad about having killed and he wants to make amends for that but his loyalty to krypton and his programming which i think is a good device that they came up with in the movie that you yeah. know it's that everybody's kind of pre-programmed like he's a warrior basically by birth. yeah so that programming overtakes his his ability to actually be the father figure that he might have wanted to have been for Cal L Superman. Right. Right away, isn't that a better movie? It's a better movie, and to take advantage of an, an one of our better actors and right now, which is Michael Shannon, who plays exactly. Uh, he's an excellent actor. He's he's amazing. I know it's a superhero movie, but just take away half of the action scenes in Man of Steel. Yeah. Trust me, you won't miss them. They're so <laughs> tired and boring. Seriously, I just zone out. <laughs> I just zone out, man. Yeah. And it's not because the action scenes are bad. There's just right, too much right. and too and, and they're too long. So, I actually really like the beginning of the movie the best when they're on Krypton. I thought that was a different take on Superman to actually be on Krypton in the yeah. actual movie and give some more backstory, Russell Crowe, and mm -hmm. the whole, like, the planet, and the whole, like, it actually kind of, there was a lot of substance there, because I thought, that part I liked the writing, because I thought it was kind of similar to Earth, and the fact that everybody's saying, hey, something's going on, we're, we're, strip, we're stripping this planet of all its resources, yep. and then the folly of humans are the same way, in this sense, it's like, well, we have time, you know? Yeah. And, and that Superman's father was like, listen, we're, this is going to end badly. 
if we don't listen here. I actually like that part quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, I liked that Zod was taking over because his once again because of his loyalty, or he yeah. was he was trying to take over right. once again just because of his loyalty to Krypton, not the planet but the people. People, yeah. So his loyalty to the people of Krypton and that that internal programming that he had to protect Kryptonians at all cost, that um, programming within him should have made him not want to hurt another Kryptonian, though. Right. So he right. once again, his character should have been a lot more conflicted about ever killing another Kryptonian. Right. If if his job, if his programming is to protect Krypton, right? But he seems to revel in <laughs> coming in and like blasting, you know, one of the the, the the council people. Yeah, and the uh, you know Russell Crowe's character as Father Superman, he was way more interesting than Superman himself. I agree with that. Yes. Because he was born underneath that program, under that programming, but he, he once again, what what you're saying, like that's that's an interesting story. Superman is the first natural birth on Krypton in centuries. They yes. said because he wanted his son to have that free will and right, blah blah blah. Um, but along with that, Russell Crowe's character himself had decided that he would defy the boundaries of his own. Yes. And we got to see that, that he was he was a better fighter than Zod. Right. He was, you know, he was taken down from people. Oh, no problem. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, so his character is actually the most interesting character in yeah. the movie um, because he's not one-dimensional. Yeah. You actually see that he has all these different dimensions to him. The Superman character could have been just as interesting. He just... Okay, here's my impression of Henry Cavill as Superman. You ready? I'm ready. And for people who are just listening, I'll, I'll, I'll narrate what's happening. I'm, I'm knitting my brow like together. This is his expression the entire movie. <laughs> He is not happy, I think, for more than like 10 seconds in that movie. True. <laughs> That's true. He's already, yeah, it's always like, eh. When he turns, when he disguises, quote unquote, himself as Clark Kent, he doesn't change a bit. No. He doesn't change. He doesn't, it's not even trying. He doesn't change his hair. He puts on glasses. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're supposed to so be foolish. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many of these things where I'm just like, it just weren't even trying. <laughs> it's like, make him a conflicted character as well. Yeah. Yeah. But make him conflicted because he wants so badly for everything to be good. Yeah. But it's not going well. Right. You know? <laughs> it's actually, I think the part when he becomes Superman is when it actually goes downhill quite a bit. Like him growing up and actually as an adult and struggling with his identity, I mean, every person can identify with that. You know, when he's like um, working at that diner, you know, and he's doing all this, like he's got the beard and he's walking Once again, around. It's so poorly written, though. It's just, that I diner agree. scene is so poorly oh, written. Oh, it's so bad. 
But I, I like, okay, I kind of like this different version of that. It's like when he becomes the Man of Steel. Yeah. That's when it goes way downhill, I think, for me. I'm like, ah, this could have been a lot better, this transition. I don't know. I agree with you. And so many of the things were just so obvious Yeah. Um, that, you know, ha- having him have to go to the other side of the world to fight yeah. a machine. Ah. It's so obvious that, you know, they're trying to give other people things to do. <laughs> yeah. So they have to put him on the other side of the world fighting a machine. The most boring scene, hands down, in Bad. the movie. Bad. Superman fighting a machine that has octopus tentacle right, tentacles arms. And stuff. I, I mean, it's just, it's so lame and so boring. Who <laughs> wants to watch that? I mean, I just can't think of a single person. And it's like, hey, would you rather watch well-written scenes of Zod and and Superman having philosophical debates about their future as yeah. friends and the future of Krypton as a society. And if Kryptonians can live together with yeah. earthlings, or would you wa- rather watch Superman punch a computer generated <laughs> octopus tentacle coming out of a machine? I mean, <laughs> I know I just, I just I just don't know what's interesting about that. I just no. I can't think of a single thing that's interesting about it. No. And I don't like Amy Adams' character either. Uh Lois Lane. I just it's too don't, bad because she's felt it was so good. Bad. She's a great actor. Again, she is so good. Wasting the the character, the wasting act, talent. Because I'm like, ah, oh, this Lois Lane character, I'm not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it, you know. No, no, no. It, you know, it we didn't get to see enough of her being um, impetuous. Yeah. You know, just like really trying to follow the story no matter what. Right. We didn't get to see enough of that because that that's, you know, classic Superman has to save Lois from her yeah. own ambition, basically. Yeah. But Lois is such a great, strong character you know, that personality wise, she wins every conflict with Superman. Right. Just from a personality perspective. And he only can save her because of his, you know, powers or whatever. But, you know, she's so uh, amazing. And I just watched Amy Adams in uh, Arrival. Oh, man. That's my movie right there, man. (laughs) it's just that movie i i I had been putting off watching that movie for years really but i knew i was gonna love it i I just i just hadn't got around to it oh man so i watched it with uh with my son uh right like the week before he left on his on his mission yeah and that spurred so many conversations you know it's such that movie right there is basically what I think Man of Steel should have been. You know yeah, what I mean? It's like yeah. the the mystery of why these aliens are here. What's the purpose? Why is Superman yeah. here? Now why is General Zod here? What what are their intentions? The problem is Zod makes his intentions completely clear from the get-go. <laughs> yeah. But and then you have to question why are these his intentions? Why? Yeah. Why why is his first move 
to violence and conflict and threatening an entire planet. Right. Why is that his first move? Right. He throws down the gauntlet, literally, through all the communications and all the different languages, you know, give up this son of Krypton, you know, yeah. and, and it's like, really? Like, and even if that's his plan, his his real plan, which which I still think is too cheesy to make that his real yeah. plan from the get-go, but at least he could, like, arrive under some kind of pretense of sure. peace and just trying to find his orphan you know, Kryptonian, uh, fellow Kryptonian. Yeah. It's just, it's just so lazy. To me, it's just so lazy. It's, it's really lazy. And I just, that is probably the number one thing I despise in any kind of artistic endeavor is laziness. Yeah. When I know that it was just like, you know, we've talked about that, that whole first idea. Yeah, thing. exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what was this the first idea? <laughs> it was, was the should, first. Probably idea. <laughs> shouldn't have gone with the first idea. You should probably have gone with. So and and you know, for for me, as talented as Zack Snyder is, that that is his biggest you know weakness is that he's just not a very good storyteller. And I we agree. have amazing, talented directors out there who who, for me anyway, to my sensibilities just are not good storytellers. Zack Snyder yeah. is one of them. Um, Tim Burton, to me, is, is another yeah, one. I agree. I think, once again, he a completely different style, but his visual style is so cool and, and yes. neat. Yes. But, but his storytelling for me is just lazy. Yeah. It's just lazy storytelling. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's interesting. And you contrast with the movie, like, Arrival. I wanted to go back with that because I watched it when it came out in the movie theaters uh, with my wife. I mean, we, I mean, it's one of the few movies where I cried, like, deeply when I watched it. Yeah. Because I was so drawn in by Amy Adams' um, riveting performance. Jeremy Renner was awesome, too. Again, another Mm -hmm. Jeremy Renner non-superhero movie that he kills he yeah. does a great job in. And just the whole story of like, what if you knew you were going to have this child and it was going to die early? Would you still do it if you knew the future? That was like the big line through the whole thing within yeah. a story about aliens coming to visit. And it was just so emotional and just still choosing the humanity of the situation, even though it's a, generally a movie about aliens visiting planet. So emotional, so well written, here, here, tied it thing, in. To, to what you're saying, like that's what good sci-fi does. Yes. It takes the premise of aliens coming to visit yeah. our planet, but it uses that premise to talk about something so much more interesting. Yeah, and deep. and not to say that an alien species sure. visiting our planet isn't interesting, but we've seen it done you know, yeah. a million times since, you know, at least the fifties on, on film. Yeah. So how do you make that interesting? Well, you do what they did in, in arrival and you make it all about human experience and yeah. human choice. And, uh, it, it was really interesting. Um, have you ever read Kurt Vonnegut's slaughterhouse five? No. So the slaughterhouse five is one of my favorite books ever. Um, and uh, it, the the opening line to it is Billy Pilgrim has come unstuck in time. Mm. So much of Arrival 
was reminding me of like the beautiful dramatic version of the slaughterhouse five, which is a yeah. comedy. Um, not to say that it doesn't have drama in it, but it's Kurt Vonnegut and he's, he's a brilliant with absurdist comedy. That's, that's his thing. So he, he, uh, but, but similarly, this Billy Pilgrim character kind of, um, basically go, he, 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 I guess you could say he gets abducted by an, an alien race. Yeah. Who see time completely differently than, than earthlings do. It's not linear. Um, and so anyway, so many things about arrival, you can see where it's going. Yeah, where it's like, yeah. um, that, that's the interesting thing about these aliens is that they don't see things linear in a linear way. Even their body makeup is not a linear right. front forward, backward, whatever kind of a thing. So there's so many things in that movie that they just do right. And there's so many interesting ideas and it's a mystery and you're trying to, f- and, and, and then when it comes to the end, you don't feel it's not a cheap ending. No, it's an ending that really makes you reframe every scene that you watched beforehand yeah. and everything that was said, everything Amy Adams character said beforehand and every expression that she made and all the dreams that she seemed to yeah. have had or memories that she seemed to have had. It just reframed everything in such a beautiful way. Not every movie can do that. Not every script can do that. Right. But it's something to aspire to. And if and if a movie like Man of Steel hadn't been so lazy, it could have done something similar because yes. it was doing things not not that it had the same themes and premise and everything, right. but but it's still an an alien coming to this planet. It's right. told in a lot of flashbacks, a lot of you know trying to learn about you know why they're here and, and what's going on. Yeah, and it's just like there's so many things that they could have learned, you know, that they can learn from each. other. Well, yeah. Arrival can't learn anything from Man of Steel. No, I'll tell you that no, right now. no way. No, yeah. but Man of Steel, <laughs> people who are making movies like a, a superhero movie like Man of Steel, they can learn so much from movies like Arrival. And it's like, why aren't we? I don't know. It, it, yeah, it's lazy. I mean, there's a lot of other areas to explore. I mean, even just from an alien perspective, the fact that uh, an alien would come to Earth and look literally exactly like other human beings. Like yeah. it's not like it's a, the same you know, physiology shifting to saying yeah. like real and like that to me like that would be interesting to explore like well why why that why is that the case like why to me that would be surprising like yeah <laughs> it'd be more surprising to see that than to see something that looked like a reptile or something I'd be like wait a minute wait wait some dude came here from another planet it looked like a guy I saw at a bank the other day I mean why is yeah. it like how is that possible and they like, spoke english with they, no yeah, accent yeah how is that it's po- amazing. like why are we not exploring the depth of that type of that's almost a linguistic aspect the physiology like that part maybe that's the sciencey nerdy part of me but there's a whole element there that could be turned into a series related to that i'd actually yes. like to see Superman in a series, like a really deep series that just didn't do action all the time. And I know that there's been Smallville and stuff like that, but I'm just talking about like a very different yeah, version. Th- that's of more it, of like know? a teen sitcom, a teeny you know, or, like or, a serious yeah, version of it, yeah. you know, like with great actors and great depth to the story, you know? Yeah. And, and serious, but not, not overly serious because yeah. one of the things about Superman is, 
that that Christopher Reeves encapsulated so well is the joy of Superman. Yeah. The other part of Superman that I really get annoyed with that gets ignored all the time is that Superman is actually super intelligent as well. Mm, yeah. It wasn't just his muscles that that were affected by the radiation of the yellow sun, but it's also yeah. his mind. So his mind he 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 should literally be the smartest guy on the planet. Right. Right. But so often they make him really dumb. He's, he's like, actually very dumb. It's a weaker part of the whole story, you know. Yeah. And they make, you know, he makes stupid, bad decisions. Everyone <laughs> yeah. else seems smarter than Superman. <laughs> like, literally every single character seems smarter than Superman. Right. And that's just, it's just a betrayal of uh, of the character. He should be extremely smart. Right. But he should also be trusting. There should also be a side of him that's a little naive. Yeah. yeah. Because he wants to believe in the goodness of people. Um, but not too naive. And, and, and so certain Superman, I I always go back to the Superman story, all-star Superman. Mm. It's a, it's a stupid title, but you know, um, but it's one of the, it's the best Superman story ever written. And it, it, it takes all of the things that people make stupid decisions about with Superman and it makes Superman the smartest guy. Yeah. But 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 in the end, yeah, he outsmarts Lex Luthor, who's supposed to be a genius, right? right? But he outsmarts him. Um but he's just out he just outgoods everybody. Yeah. That's the real point of it. He just outgoods everybody. He's just so innately good. Right. So one of the things I thought about as I watched that Man of Steel and I watched them completely level Metropolis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just once again, one of the I stupidest know. things about the movie. Yeah. But but even before then, when they're, I mean, with the amount of planes that crash and the missiles that they fire, Smallville should have been totally leveled oh, too. Oh, completely. Yeah. But instead they make every plane just miraculously crashes <laughs> in the street and somehow doesn't hurt the surrounding buildings. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Anybody knows about jet fuel exploding will know For that sure. those buildings were obliterated, flattened, and everybody in them was killed. Yes. Um, but setting that aside, I think Superman rescues one person in that, in that other than Lois Lane. Yeah. I think he rescues one person from getting harmed by the ensuing battle. Superman in the comics he's not afraid of getting hit because he knows he can take it. So he's not as concerned about fighting the bad guy as he is about protecting other people. Yeah. That's Superman 101. I can take the hit. You guys can't. So I'll stand in the way and I'll get everybody out of danger because no matter what they throw at me, I know I can take it. I can get back up again. That's not that's not anywhere in this movie. No. It's nowhere in that movie. Nowhere to be found. Yeah. That I'm Superman, I can take it. So I will instead of just being fighting, I will just concentrate on rescuing everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so anyway, these are the things, man. I, I, no, and, I know, once again, man. I feel like it's it, once again it's just really lazy. It would be so much more exciting to watch Superman try to save people. 
right and be emotionally gutted by the fact that he can't save everyone yeah then to have him be emotionally gutted by killing zod which <laughs> why would he be emotionally gutted by that i know he has no connection literally i mean maybe may, may you know biologically on some level, but he doesn't know this dude from anybody. I mean, he doesn't know no. this guy. He has no clue what this dude is. I mean, he, he just sent everybody to die in the phantom zone. Yeah. You know, he doesn't care about any of them. No, he doesn't no. seem to care about the thousands upon thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands that got killed in the, in the destruction of Metropolis. Right. He doesn't seem to care about any of that. No. The only time he cares about a human life in that movie is when Zod is going to laser somebody with his laser eyes <laughs> yeah, in the train yeah. station. That's, That's like right. the one moment where he shows any concern yeah. for any rest... kind of human life around him. <laughs> Everyone else is collateral damage, man. That's what it is. <laughs> so anyway, all this has been, I'm sure, rehashed over and over again before by lots of people. But it, it, it was just it was just so disappointing. And, yeah. and, and, and not to say that every writer can write great stories. But I think there's a lot of writers out there that really want to write great stories. There's a lot of writers out there who want to write the next Arrival movie. Right. And I think that is a little bit at the heart of this strike. It's got to be. It's like, we want to write good stuff, but you're underpaying us to just vomit out crap. Right, repurposed material, basically. I mean, And most of it woke crap. Yeah, and right. Know, we've talked about that before. Yeah. We've talked yeah. about that. we're we're Forced in a, representation, and essentially, yeah. yeah. And and we're not against it. Obviously, we right, we want to see representation, but we want we just just tell us a good story. Tell us a good story. Just tell us a good freaking story. Well, this is like to me, like with you with songwriting and stuff, and these are all the arts, you know, and. I always, that's why I think partially I, you know, I get pulled towards different things and people is like the method of how someone makes something. Um, and it's like, if you're writing a song, you're writing a movie or series, like, how do you create something that people will be like, wow, that had a lot of depth to it. Like, like what makes a great song that's like really emotional? What makes a great song that's really like catchy? You know, what's, yeah. you know, like, what is that thing that, that, that gives someone that power to like reach down there and really give you something amazing? You know, I think if I were to summarize it in just like a phrase, I would say simple complexity, simple complexity for it to be catchy for people to walk away, the average person to walk away, humming it, it has to be simple. Hmm. Because if you do like avant-garde, atonal jazz, right. people aren't walking out of there humming, <laughs> humming that. You know, it's too it's too complex. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, so so it's got to be simple. But then the complexity comes in on the metaphor. So we were just talking about that movie Arrival. Once all the pieces are in place, it's a really simple movie. Uh, and, and it's actually a really simple movie to explain. It's a very simple premise to explain where all the complexity comes in is, is, um, how we get there, the journey there. And it felt like in that movie, 
What what's the famous quote? Um, the the famous fashion designer. I'm blanking on her name now. Is maybe like Coco Chanel or somebody who said, uh, "Before leaving the house, take off one accessory. Simplify it." Yeah, you you probably overdid it. So take something off. Um, it felt like a movie like Arrival goes by that credo. But it 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 looks at okay. Anytime we could have done something that was cliche, let's take that out. <laughs> yeah. Anytime a character could have said something that was overly simple and cliche, let's just let's just remove that real quick. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in something like Man of Steel, it was like ah, just leave it in. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Ah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just make him say that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know yeah michael shannon will make that sound good yeah he's michael shannon <laughs> like, <laughs> i will fight him <laughs> yeah i mean unfortunately michael shannon says zero interesting things in that movie true, but he's michael man. shannon so yeah. he's amazing yeah. but unfortunately he just they don't give him anything I, and i feel bad for him because i know if you were to tell me you wanted me to be General Zod, I would be so freaking excited. Be juiced about it, man. I'm telling you. And then <laughs> if I were to read the script, I'd be like, mm, darn it. <laughs> you know? Michael Shannon seems like a really intelligent guy. Yes. Yes. And I think that intelligence comes out in his nuanced performances in so many of the movies that he's that he's in. Yeah. Um and the different kind of performances he's done. He's done some wildly different Man, characters. Wild. Well, he has a he has what I call like not what I call, but he has this like screen presence and this uh intensity. Yeah. He's got he's got a very stone looking face. And he's he doesn't look like a tough guy to me. He's just kind of a very like standard, very skinny looking guy. Mm-hmm. But his intensity is like palpable. And yep. like his look, the way he looks at them, like, man, this guy is scary kind of, but he's like, his physical nature doesn't feel scary to me, but just like his presence feels very commanding and you, to yeah. waste something like that, you know, not every actor has that. No, you know, they're getting by on different things. Maybe it's a physical comedy, you know, maybe it's, you know, something else like his thing is like intensity. He's got that like Denzel intensity. It's like, oh, yes. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> like. He's pulling and that in. has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And for me, the, that comes from intelligence, like we just said, and confidence in craft and preparation. Yeah. I think some those those kinds of actors, like a Michael Shannon or a Denzel Washington. Yeah. When they show up to work, oh, you you all better be ready. Maybe ready. Yeah. Because we're bringing it. Yeah. And we're we're ready. You know, yes. <laughs> somebody like those actors, they they show up on set. It's like, I'm ready. Yeah. So you better, you better be ready. You better <laughs> be ready. <laughs> Everybody from from the gaffer to the, yeah. to the lighting technician to the, the camera technician, everybody else better be ready. Right. Because when I do this scene, we're not going to need a retake. No. It's like, I'm not going to need to do this twice. If we <laughs> do this twice, that's on somebody else. <laughs> Well, it's kind of the, uh, I was doing a solo cast and it was kind of about this book I've been reading called The Mystery of Mastery. And honestly, it's not that good. I'm just be very honest. The book is not, <laughs> it's written in a very, you know, you like you just said, like make something catchy, simple complexity. And mm-hmm. this book is just all complexity. 
and it's written by an art critic. And it makes sense it's written by an art critic because it's written in the style of an art critic, overly done. Gotcha, yeah. With the words and stuff. But I like the concept of studying the mystery of mastery. And I feel like whether it's directing, writing, uh, acting, writing songs and stuff, I'm in love with the concept of mastery of something, which is why I think yeah. I get really disappointed when I watch something that's not good. Yeah, I'm like, it's, it's just... like Tom Hanks said, it's like a miracle to get a movie put out and actually finished. So why wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> you know, yeah. Why? Why wouldn't you just from the source material onward? Why wouldn't you just choose the best of the best? Right. Because, but for me, it's just laziness, and we've talked about this. It's it's yeah. content creation. It is instead of instead of art creation, it's content creation. You know, it's a completely different philosophy of you know slapping somebody's name on it. Yeah you know giving giving some big names some big paychecks to come be in it right it's like give them the same paycheck and put them in something interesting <laughs> i know you're already hiring them for a lot of money yeah. why don't you make it good <laughs> it's not like the money's the issue it's like you've already gotten the hard part out of the way <laughs> like, yeah just make I mean, it good <laughs> and i know that even in a bad movie People had to be passionately involved. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people just really believed in that project. Um I'll 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 pick some low hanging fruit. Okay. Uh Black Adam. Which oh, I hadn't boy. even I, I I didn't even watch. Yeah, I watched I didn't even it. watch. Not good. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even ha- I saw the I, I, I saw the trailer. I didn't I saw have the trailer. To. <laughs> I didn't I didn't need to see that movie. And unfortunately, Another thing that I can say is against it, which is I'm not against this person, not in the least, but The Rock. Um, if he's in it, I just don't think it's going to be good. Well, he's a movie for hire actor. Basically, yeah. you put The Rock in for star power, not for substance. Sorry, Rock. I mean, that's just yeah, literally I, what it is. I mean, and, and hey, he's laughing all the way to the bank. For sure. No, nothing against it. Nothing against him. I'm just saying if he's in it, it's probably not good. <laughs> it's probably it's, true. It's just probably not a good movie. It's mediocre at best. At best. And it's probably bad. Agreed. I mean, name a movie that he's in that's good. That uh, that that's genuinely like good. Genuinely good. Mm, I don't think so, man. Honestly, it's no way. No like way. the closest thing I can think of is is it called the rundown where he goes down to Brazil? Oh to yeah, yeah. I remember that I remember that. I mean, yeah. I think I think that's the best movie he's been in. That was a while ago. Jeez. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Everything but else I, has been shit since then. <laughs> I'm not even Scorpion saying Scorpion King. Yeah. I'm not even saying that movie's good. I'm just saying I think it's the best thing he's been in. <laughs> that's bad, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of it is, is is actually really bad, but it's got Christopher Walken. Yeah, Christopher well. Walken gives a gives a speech about the Tooth Fairy. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, so it has it has moments. It has some action sequences that I yeah. think are genuinely really good. Right. Um, and most of the time, you know, it's just like not even the action se- action sequences are are good. Yeah. For, but for do you like a, a guy like The Rock? Do you think he goes into it knowing this is not going to be very good? Or it's just well, like, hey. I brought up, okay, so I brought up Black Adam because I know that that's been a, a passion 
th- that was a passion project for him for like 10 years or something yeah. like that to, to get that movie made. So why wasn't it good? Right. Like, like if this is something you believe in so badly, so I was the script just no good? Because if the script was no good, then why, why was the movie greenlit? Right. But everything I've heard about the storyline was just like, oh my god, it's gosh. bad. Honestly, what an eye bad. roll! What an <laughs> eye roll! You know, and it's just like, why does this happen? Oh, so so this can happen. That kind of yeah. a movie. And they wasted Pierce know? Brodson's character because he's a fantastic actor too. I mean, he's so. When I was sick a few weeks ago, I went back. I'm not a Trekkie, but yeah. I kind of am. Yeah, yeah. I've seen in in percentage wise of what's been put out under the Star Trek moniker. I've seen very little. Okay. Um, I love Next Generation. I haven't even seen the whole series, but I love it. I think it's wonderful. Um, the the OG Star Trek series. Yeah. I've seen a handful of episodes. Haven't even seen all of those. Yeah. But I've seen all the movies with the original cast. Me too. And I love those movies, even the bad ones. Same. And I wonder why I love those movies, even the bad ones. And it rests on the performances of the actors. Say what you want uh, about, what's his name? Captain Kirk. William Shatner. William Shatner and his signature He's great in those movies, man. He's so good. He's really good. He's so good. Here's the other thing. He's really smart. Yes. And guess what? All everybody else in the movies are are as well, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. there's a few exceptions. You know, where where you know maybe a Klingon is a real numbskull sure. or something like that. Yeah. But by and large, everybody's really smart. So, I went back and I watched Wrath of Khan, oh, Search yeah. for and Search for Spock, and The Voyage Home. I think those three movies are just marvelous. And you I, know what's bad? A, we both have watched these recently. This is weird. <laughs> Why are we always watching with the same movies? I That's literally really was funny. watching those. That's not really us at all, man. Was, I watched Wrath of Khan when I was little. I mean, it's like, and then I kept watching. I said, man, this is why it's so good. Like, all these so are good. so good. I love the inter- the play between Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner and just the whole, it's incredible, man. Okay, so then I went and watched... The, the 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 first two of the new cast yeah. you know series the the reboot it's like why are these so bad with Chris Pine and stuff yeah. and yeah no it's uh. so I realized something J J Abrams he directed the first two yeah I think. yeah well he got that gig off of directing one of the Mission Impossible ones movies. And I was like, holy cow, these Star Trek movies are Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Uh, go go watch the, the re-watch Star that. Trek movies. And you're like, oh my gosh, these are just Mission Impossible movies with Star Trek characters in, in them. But they're so bad. They're so forced. There is not a moment in those original Star Trek movies that feels forced right. or contrived. Everything feels like, oh, this happened, you know, oh, you know, and 
and nobody is an idiot. Yeah. In these newer movies, everyone's an idiot. Everyone's an idiot. Completely agree. (laughs) In the old movies, people are respectful to each other. Yeah, they tell jokes. You know, yeah, yeah, there's snide comments here and there. I mean, Bones is Bones. You know, he's he's gonna voice his uh, his opinion about things. But even he he has respect for authority. Everybody has, you know, they're actually in this, you know, military. (laughs) (laughs) They're actually in it, yeah. And in the new movies, it's like nobody respects anybody. No, everybody's just like, yeah, we're just buddies. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I can just say whatever I want, and I'll just yell and scream, and we'll fight. And it, it's just so forced, contrived, and stupid. And it just shows the immaturity of the writing and directing. And to that make Zachary Kinto really immature, Spock, yeah, more sexual in nature. Like, yeah, and I really you know, wasn't that into that part of it. I don't know. Not that no. I care about. I, I I enjoy all that stuff, but I just felt it wasn't the right move for. But this is like when people start rebooting stuff and they go, how can I make this my version of it? Yeah. How could I make this different and give a, okay, we're going to make Spock like really, he's going to make out with Ohura and the thing, you know, and like, there's going to be yeah. like all this like sexuality. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that that's what you needed to do to create something different. I mean, I like Zachary Quinto. I think he's a fantastic actor, but uh, it's kind of wasted a little bit to me on that, you know? He 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 could have made a decent Spock. I'm not even going to say he'd be a great Spock. I don't right. think he was. I don't think he was cast that well, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, you know, um, I actually think Chris Pine could have been a good Captain. I Kirk do too. I just wasn't they there. If they, if he they wouldn't have made him a manic, he's crazy too person. too much of an idiot. Like it's just yeah. I don't know. William it's Shatner like, was eh. not an idiot. Like he was really good. Like he had command of that ship. He 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 was a good decision maker. Like, you know. And things were earned. Earned, yes. So in Wrath of Khan, when when he's feeling disillusioned with things, he's a middle-aged man who's now been promoted to behind a desk. Right. So yeah, he's a bit disillusioned with things. Um, the, the, the one character, or Ca- Captain Kirk in the, the third movie, and I didn't even watch that one recently. No, I, I watched no. those two, and I was like, I, no, I, can't, I can't. I was again. out, too. But I remember <laughs> that they were trying to make him, you know, disillusioned in that yeah. movie. And it's like, it's not earned. Nothing's earned yeah. in these movies. And that, that, that pissed me off more than anything. That goes back to laziness, where yeah. emotions are not earned. Um, I mean... Zachary Quinto's Spock is so easily emotionally manipulated. Yes. Yes. I mean, and, and then you go back and you watch Leonard Nimoy's Spock, and there's not a single moment where you can emotionally manipulate this guy. No. Not a single moment. He's solid, man. And it, it I mean, it's so good. If you remember, I, I think one of the best, Here's what we keep going back to. One of the best scenes in Star Trek of any movie of this in the Star Trek universe or TV show of any of one of the best moments is the resurrected Spock in the beginning of Voyage Home. Yeah. Doing the computer test stuff to to re uh, kind of rehabilitate his yes. mind and everything. And it gets to the question, how do you feel? Yeah. How do you feel? <laughs> it's like, I don't understand the question. Yeah. 
you know, and then his mother comes in, his mother talks to him and, you know, they talk about his, um, and she, she's explained to him that his, he, he should have some human emotion that he should place some importance on those human emotions. And, and his response is so Spock. He's like, I, you know, it's something like, I will, if you deem it of importance, yeah. I will do, you <laughs> yeah. know, I will do that. You yeah. know, he wants to please his mother, but yes. he just doesn't see any real yeah, there's importance no logic in, behind the, it, in, yeah. in, in, the, in the thing of how you feel. And then, you know, it comes full circle at the end when he has a, a nice moment with his father yeah. and he tells him to tell his mother, I feel fine. Yep. And it's, it's a beautiful, those moments are, are what make sci-fi good. Yes. Those are the things that can, that, that elevate these films beyond, I mean, name them any moment in the reboot Star Trek series <laughs> where it's even quiet enough to have a conversation like right. that. Yeah. No. I just wonder, Simon, like, as we have new filmmakers coming up, you know, filmmakers that are growing up in today's world, will they be be able to create, create these masterpieces based off of how they're growing up and what they're seeing? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a few here and there, but kind of worried about it, honestly, <laughs> a little bit. I'm like, Ugh. I understand that worry. You know, I, I, I think about every time one of the old guard passes away. Yeah. You know, in 2016, Bowie and Prince both passed away. Right. And you ask yourself, who's going to pick up those mantles? Not to be the next David Bowie or the next Prince. Sure. But to be somebody of that creative caliber who has that kind of influence uh, to the betterment of art and music. Yeah. You're just like, man, I, I, just, I just don't see anybody out there. I just don't. It's and weird, I'm, man. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm I'm just trying to be real. Where I was like, I'm not David Bowie. I'm yeah. not Prince. You know who who's out there? Who I'm looking around, and I'm just like, who's the next Bruce Springsteen? Who's the next? You know whoever. And I just I just don't see it. Every time, you know, I see somebody who's and I'm not trying to degrade these people. I'm not trying to say they're bad or anything like that, but. When I just listen to, I'm gonna say, I'll say Lady Gaga because I actually, sure. I really respect her. I respect her as an artist. Yeah, um, she's talented. But so many, yeah. so many people compared her to Bowie, have compared her to Bowie, and it was, and I was like, I'm sorry, but her library of her catalog of work, you just can't hold that up against David Bowie's. No, you know, you, you just can't. And I, and I'm not knocking her as a creative person or anything like that or as a talent. I'm just saying she's not yeah. the, the next David Bowie. You know, <laughs> no, <what I'm> <laughs> no, she's no Lady Gaga will will not have the cultural significance that that David Bowie had. She's not the touchstone that David Bowie was. So, and and and, and I am using her because because I respect her so much. And, and to your point, it's like if that's the best that we have, or if that's some yeah. of the best that we have well then <laughs> it's just yeah. not good enough it's not just, good enough it's, it's you know, poker face is not good enough no to, it's not to join the ranks no of, you know station to station or something like that uh no they're suffering from that because you know like in movies you go oh, this is a james cameron movie you know this is a 
uh, a Nolan, Christopher Nolan movie. And you know what that means when you hear yeah. it. You know there's going to be some level to it that's like, wow, like, okay. Well, I mean, I'm not seeing, I'm seeing these guys, but like, where are the, where are the other people? Like, maybe yeah. they're just creating great art underground and they're just not part yeah, of the machine. Not you know, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, you know, guys like James Cameron, he started off working on really bad movies. Right. Yeah. He, he got, then he got his chance, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and was able to show what a great filmmaker he, he is. I can't say that I've liked anything of his since T2. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, a, yeah. but, but he has a, he has a vision. He definitely I, has a vision. I, I, I actually haven't watched either avatar are you serious i've movie. definitely watched both of them <laughs> i like them i actually like them quite a bit yeah i, I just i saw about five minutes of the first <laughs> one and that's all it took really i mean i mean i'll minutes. just be honest with you that's all it took i you know i i heard some dialogue and i was like nah this is not not into this i heard some dialogue <laughs> <laughs> you know the ultimate critic like, yeah. <laughs> i heard some dialogue and you know it didn't pull me man yeah i mean sorry it tar just... i mean it's just <laughs> <laughs> i just heard it man yeah <laughs> sam worthington didn't do it for you <laughs> he certainly didn't no um... i mean he's not a great actor to me personally but you know i you know it's Hey, you know, once honestly, again, it's I'm, not to me. All those like Titan movies were garbage. Honestly, they were bad. What? Which movies? The, you know, um, the Crash, well, not Crash, um, Clash of the Titans, Clash of the Titans. Oh, he see, was in those. Watch, those are I bad. I didn't watch those either because I like actually those. really liked the original from way back in the day. That's yeah, actually a movie I, mean, I think you and I should watch and like. Critique. let's do it because that's an actu- interesting movie actually i i grew up on that one and and those kind of you know claymation special effects yeah, and things like something that something different which, with that yeah it's it's a completely different cinematic experience yeah and it's not a well put together movie no honestly i i watched <laughs> it probably about five years ago i watched it yeah. again um, one thing I totally forgotten about was like, there's, there's nudity at the beginning. Yeah. It's not like sexual nudity. Sure. It's like a mom breastfeeding or whatever, but I was just surprised it's PG and there's full frontal nudity. And then I remembered, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, it's the early eighties. It's the eighties. Full it's frontal required. nudity was okay. <laughs> it was required. In a PG movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. So, um, but yeah, no, it's not a well put together movie. It's it's clumsily yeah. uh, edited and directed, and and um, but there there is something special about it. There's though. something special there. I don't know. It's There's hard something to explain. really special about it. Yeah, and it it also doesn't have anything to do with the actors. Or, yeah, you know, there's but something it, there, it, man. I'm telling you. I think yeah. it's like too much technology. We're starting to lean too heavily on the technology, and I think it's also greatly bloating the price of movies that uh being made all the technological innovation and the time it takes to do this stuff that is just taking yeah. away from the stories mainly i feel like i mean maybe it less really on, less leaning on the technology blow some shit yeah. up actually i don't know man it's like <laughs> come on um i watched a um a, a little mini documentary recently about the guys who make the miniatures 
for oh, these okay. movies and how for a while that went away and these guys had to figure out oh. other ways to kind of make a living. But then miniatures have made a resurgence from everybody from Christopher Nolan likes yeah. to use real miniatures. Um, oh my gosh, his name just flew right out of my head. Uh, the Budapest uh, Hotel. His latest movie was, um, is that, uh, uh, oh my gosh, why can't I just think of people's names and, <laughs> and names of, of films and things You don't like remember that. the names of your songs. How can you remember? I know, this? I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, he's the director of Life Aquatic. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he loves to use, you know, miniatures. And these miniatures are really big. Yeah. Like, so they can really use them. But they look so good. Yeah. They look so good. I mean, Christopher Nolan used, when he blows up that, that military installation at the yeah. end of... Uh, What's that movie called? Inception? Yeah. That's a miniature and that's Incredible, a real explosion. Right? And it's like, yeah, why aren't we doing that? Why not do more Instead of, that? of the computer generated stuff that, I'm sorry, I mean, most of the time, nine times out of 10, I can tell that's a computer generated explosion. Completely. Completely. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe use that computer generated technology to enhance a real explosion. I feel right. like that's when computer-generated effects really come into their own when yeah. they're used to enhance something that was that that is real. Yeah. Um, it, it, and they can be... Computer-generated effects can be amazing. I just watched Dune last night. I hadn't watched that yet. Which, the, with new the newer one? Okay, yeah. yeah. What's your opinion on that movie? I actually liked it. I liked it, man. I you always see, you know, I this is my thing. I'm gonna I'll probably get trashed for this, but and I know David Lynch disowned the Dune that he made, the director. Yeah. But I actually kind of liked it. Maybe it's just because my dad and I watched it growing up a yeah. lot and I there's nostalgia behind it. But uh I do I thought the movie was beautifully made. Like the cinematography was beautiful. Yeah. Of Dune. And uh, it was it was kind of a quiet movie. You know, yep. a lot of like mood. So, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know. When it was over, I was like, I know there's another one coming. And a director is a pretty, I guess, one of our bigger directors. I think it's, is it Alfonso? No, it's a different guy, is it? I don't know. I'm blanking on who directed I, uh, it. Maybe but, it's the yeah. guy who did Gravity. I think it may be that guy. But maybe one of those folks. But uh, mm. I thought, okay, there's a lot of big name people in here. <gasps> I love the cinematography. Um, I'm, I don't know, Timothy Chalamet or whatever his name is. I'm not a huge fan of him. Uh, Which one is he? He's the guy, he plays, uh, Paul Atreides okay. in doing movie. You know, the kid who becomes like the, the, the main character. Yeah. I'm just not, I just, he's not believable to me. I don't, that's just me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just feel like they went a little too young. Yeah. Zendaya. I was like, eh. Believable. Mm. I'm I'm really torn on Zendaya. Yeah, I just I, I haven't I haven't decided if she's an actress or not. I I don't think so. I mean, I watch Euphoria <laughs> I mean, on HBO Max, and I love the series, but I just think uh, I'm not just not I'm just not there. It's I'm not there for her. I don't. Yeah, I, I I'm not either. She has uh, beautiful features, right? Um, I mean, in kind of an anorexic, right? I don't, I don't know how how old she is, but she she does play teenage to me yeah um 
They went too Which, young. I really think they went too young. Yeah. Um, I feel like Paul, he should feel like any, he's in his early 20s. Yeah. Um, but yeah. He, he seems more like 16, 17. He's like an emo person, kind of. I don't know. That's, That's, this is a that, that is exactly what I thought <laughs> uh, when I was watching. I was like, this is emo Paul. Exactly. Paul, Paul in the original, he, he, he's, he's very positive. He's yeah, very upbeat. he is. His relationship to his father is really uh, nice in the original. In this one, you know, I, I get it. They're going for a different feel. Yeah. He, here was my biggest beef with Dune is that there wasn't enough contrast. So if I'm going to feel the tension of them going to this new planet, then I want to see them really happy on their own planet. Yeah, they were not. Yeah, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna see them go to this monochrome planet, you know, that's just basically brown. Yeah, I want to see on their planet a planet that's full of life and color. Right. If I'm gonna see Paul Atreides later dressed all in black and and in the desert gear that they wear, you know, uh, with the fremen. Yeah. At the beginning, I want to see him in colors. Yeah. So those were my those are my biggest beefs. It's like. Oh, the bad guys are wearing black. Oh, so are the, so are the good guys. You know, it, it, not the biggest deal in the world, but what you see what I'm saying? Where it's like I want some contrast, and I'm not talking about yeah. neon lights or anything like sure. that. I'm just saying, show me a planet that's full of life and 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 everything, and then that will contrast so much more to this this desert planet. Show me a family that's genuinely happy and that love each other. Yeah. So that when there's a, the downfall and everything. Then I know that those connections were really profound and real and and everything, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, believe it or not, I had a real problem with everybody just talking so quietly the whole movie. <laughs> it was so quiet. Like <laughs> I'm just I'm not against quiet movies, right? But you're asking me to sit through two and a half hours of people whispering. Yeah, it is, <laughs> and even like the villain. In the original Dune, the aka the flying fat man, he was yeah. kind of funny, and he was like he very was. boisterous, was, you know. He was like, over the top. He was I mean, over he was the top. He, he was clownish, and and I and I uh, appreciate them restraining him in in this one, but they restrained him too much. It's too much. He was just like, oh, they gave him a chance. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I I I appreciate restraint, but not restraint to boring. Yeah. Once he, I'm blanking on the name of that actor who who plays the the flying fat man in the new one. He's one of my favorite actors, though. Yeah, I love him. He Gosh, is so is good. Yeah, he's it's. I know who you're talking about, but he's excellent. He's excellent. He, he's all, he's one of those actors who's always good. Yeah, doesn't matter the movie he's in. He's always good. He he was yeah. in those Thor movies. Yeah, he was the scientist guy. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to be in you know Marvel movies. He's not. I know. To, yeah. For me, he's not that kind of an actor who goes and does Marvel movies. Yeah, but he's excellent. Something Skarsgård in those movies, maybe. Or yes, like, yeah. that that is that Skarsgård, Alexander yeah. um, Skarsgård, or something like yep. that. Yeah, he's excellent. He, yeah. he did a, a short-lived detective cop series uh, a while. I don't think it was that long ago at all. Anyway, he was so good in it, and sometimes it wasn't that well written and, and and things like that. But once again, it's like he's one of those actors who elevates everything. He elevates, he just it, yeah. elevates everything. Yeah, and I just 
I, I would have liked to have seen him chew up the scenery a bit more. Yeah. I would have liked to him just to be in it more, period. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. There should that, be more of that, hopefully, in part two coming up. You know, we'll see. That was the other thing. It's like we haven't even seen the Emperor yet. No, it's <clears throat> no, this I, I, I don't like phantom bad guys, <laughs> you know. You know what I'm saying? Where it's yeah. like oh, we, we don't ever see them. Why why do I care about them? Yeah. Show you, me. You keep the talking about them, but I, I don't. I, you can talk about them all you want, but I, yeah. until I see this this person, I'm not. I, I don't know. care, you yeah. know. Or, or at least until I, I see the impact of what they're doing, and right. you know, in the original movie, you know, or there was just a lot, you know, that was different. I've never read the sure. book, so I, or books oh, it's plural. A big, a lot of books to read. Man. Yeah, it's a big so. Haul. So I I don't I don't know anything about the original storyline. Yeah, it feels like this must be pretty close to the it's original storyline because yeah, because very similar to the original movie and in, in most of the things as well. I was actually surprised they didn't change more. Yeah, um, because most things really went in line with the original movie. Um, even the dialogue and things like that. I was surprised that yeah. they didn't change uh, more of the dialogue and things like that, but. I guess maybe that's what's in the book, so that that's fine. Yeah. They... Um, but yeah, it it just felt like they they were allowed to be more exuberant in yeah. the original film. Yeah, to, to what yes. you're saying. Yeah, they're just allowed to just just go. I mean, you had people like Patrick Stewart in yes. the original. You know, yes. these great Shakespearean actors. <laughs> yes, and so they were just really and. It's not knocking any of the actors in this new one because every, pretty much everybody in this new one is, they're all great and accomplished right. actors. Yeah. Um, they just weren't allowed to have the kind of gravitas. Yeah. It's very muted. That they were, felt. yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm trying to say with all that. Everything's muted. So there's no contrast. Yeah. And when there's no contrast, it's really difficult to keep my attention. Yeah, because when they were on like their other planet, it just looked like it was Washington State most of the time. It was like yeah. rainy and overcast. I was like, I just came from there. I was like, I just like it's, yeah. And then they go to Arrakis, this desert planet. It's like I agree, there should have been more of a contrast. There's not much discussion about the um, you know, time travel element to it. There's a little bit about the spice. I, I guess for me, I just like really in depth dialogue about some stuff that seems to be thrown to the back <laughs> i'm like wait wait a minute how about this stuff can we go in deeper about this <laughs> like you just Here's got another there. thing i was really surprised about in the original movie there was a lot of exposition yes it starts there was. out with that you yes. know the emperor's daughter yes. just talking talking yes. straight into the camera telling yes. you everything that's going on and I was surprised that in this movie, it felt like there was just as much exposition. I yeah. was like, wait a minute, you're breaking this into multiple parts and this this is two and a half hours long and you're still <laughs> giving me the same amount of exposition as I got in the first movie that was trying to condense everything. into the, you know, I understood why they were doing it in the first movie because it's like, man, we, we got a lot to cover. Got and a lot so to cover, yeah. we, we, let's just, but there was so much exposition in yeah. this movie and I was like, there's gotta be a better way of telling me about this without yeah. just just literally just telling me about it there's yeah. gotta be a just better within way. the movie they could have done that a little bit more i don't know yeah. there's gotta be a way to do it that doesn't just like not over the top i don't know it's, it's gotta and, be something and you can learn about it 
without somebody just literally reading it out of a book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally just <laughs> reading it to you out of a book. Here's what <laughs> happens in this scene. It's like, oh, uh, man. Here, so I, I actually came away from that movie wondering if I'm, if I'm just not a Dune fan. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. It's... Uh... I will tell you that I am completely over messianic stories. <laughs> He's like, I totally get completely that. over. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to talk to you about that more coming up. I know I have to get going here, but uh, that's actually a really interesting point of view, which I think may kind of jump into Clash of the Titans a little bit. It's kind of a messianic type of thing too. Dune, you know? Superman, Clash of the Titans. Um, you know, we, we could go down a long list of yeah, yeah. That's messianic a good... type stories. So let's do that for next the episode. Messianic type. That would be a great discussion, actually. <clears throat> thing. Yeah. I, I, hey, I, I love Jesus and the story of <laughs> Jesus. I, I really do. Uh, and to make somebody, uh, maybe metaphorically alike to mm-hmm. Jesus is not necessarily a bad thing, but. I I am just really over just the over overt <laughs> messianic. Thirty three years on this stuff. Like, yeah, he's thirty three. Oh, I'm like, really, guys? I mean, come on, yeah. like, <laughs> let's get over it here, Simon. You're the man. I am so grateful for our relationship. Seriously, I know I've said it a lot, but it's just uh, it's one of the highlights of my of my existence. That's a big statement to say, but it just really, it oh, is, man. man. I'm just such a grateful uh, friend. I feel grateful to be your friend. I'm not joking. I as well. I'm so glad I have somebody I can, yeah. I can tell all this stuff. To. Yeah. You just tell me. Okay. Tell Shannon. Don't worry about it. I can complain all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I can complain about, I can, I can you know, um, undermine cinematic masterpieces. Yes. Somebody yes. I can do that too. <laughs> I'm happy to be, you know, part of this whole process, but man, I so appreciate you. And, uh, next time messianic figures in movies going to be a hell of a discussion, man. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs>